You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Sid Talk, do some Halloween noises. And well, how did I know that that would be the noise? Because it's the easiest one. Yeah. The, uh, all right, do another one. Frankenstein, do Frankenstein. Frankenstein? He's not, he just <laughs> grunts. <laughs> I don't even think he has a noise, does How he? How about this one? I am your sunshine, your only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. Creepy enough for you? <laughs> are you scared out of the room? It's pretty creepy, that's... Who <clears throat> <laughs> sang that, that song originally? I don't know. Do not know. I'm going with... Mm, it would have been in the 40s, possibly. Don't know. Judy Garland. I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm probably wrong. <laughs> All right, so this is our Halloween episode, hence the spooky noises. Ooh. Mm, I had to define spooky, but okay. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Motley. I have no idea. It's Motley from uh, Move Festival. Move along, move along. So, uh, yeah, it's Halloween. Um, before the after the show discussion was you just getting stuck. We need together. some uh, before the after the show Halloween discussion. So, you um, watched some, you've watched a lot of Halloween movies this October. Correct. Which is your favorite one out of the lot? This is the favorite. Yes. I don't You know what? I'm going to say maybe Raw. Raw. Yeah, you spoke about that one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, though. I'd have to, I don't even remember them all off the top of my head, so I'd have to really look. But um, that was a good one. Talking about just this season. You watched a bunch. Of you like ones. to. If you do like uh, uh, horror movies, Netflix in the month of October. It wasn't just October. I started watching in August. So, oh, well. Um, and also Here Alone. That one was pretty good. Patchwork. I I've mentioned that one. Patchwork. You did? Yep. Um, you had me watch Near Dark, which was pretty fun. Yeah, Don't Near Dark. I think I had Ooh. the same fondness that you did for it. Phantasm. Phantasm, not really on the favorite list. But, no. you, but you did develop I, a I came liking. around to it, yeah. Yeah. Um, you actually never mentioned. You've actually seen them all now. Last week you'd only yeah. seen four. I've seen them all, and I've now seen you've seen the them Chuckies. all. Yep. You actually had more of an appreciation at the end. I gained some appreciation for. Uh, oh God, I can't remember his name now. Reggie. <laughs> Reggie. Shit. Yeah, I did. I mean, it's a longer discussion, but yep. All right. So uh, have a good Halloween, everybody, and good night. Good night. Goodbye. All right, so it is Saturday, October the 28th, the weekend of. This is after the show number 503. The movie we're looking at tonight, because it's Halloween, is Annabelle Creation. It's a 2017 movie. Releases on Blu-ray October the 24th, so you can pick this up now. It's rated R. It's from our friends at Warner Brothers. And uh, Sid Talk will give you the short synopsis of the movie Annabelle Creation. It's the creation of Annabelle. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm just like, I'm winging it. You know, I'm kind of making it up. All, all right, let's say I don't know what Annabelle... What's Annabelle? I don't know what you, the creation of... What? Annabelle is a possessed doll. Okay. And uh, this is the how she got possessed. It is. All right, so this is the 
um, prequel, I guess, to The Conjuring. Thank you for saying it right. <laughs> Previously, Annabelle was the prequel to The Conjuring, but now this is the prequel. To the prequel. prequel. <laughs> it's getting confusing. How many movies? Are, how many of these movies are they going to make? I don't know. He said he wants to make movies for all those items in the... Um, he does. Possessed room. And we're getting a, a new one next year called The Nun. And I am sure there will be more in the, in the years to come. Probably one every year, like they did with Saw, until it is completely wrung out creatively. So, Annabelle Creation. Um, I want to say how I feel about these the movies, the Conjuring okay. movies. Okay. I really, really like the main line Conjuring movies, both of them. I think they're really well made. I like James Wan's haunted house kind of vibe that he goes for. I think they've got some good... Mostly it's jump scare stuff, mm-hmm. which I sometimes think is a bit lazy. But he sets up a good atmosphere. I especially like the second movie because it's set in uh, London uh, in the 70s. And he really pulled that off. You know, the, like it's a council house. It's kind of damp. It's dank. I really enjoyed that one. So I do like what he does with those mainline movies. Yet Annabelle, the first one, I wasn't that keen on it. just felt like a weaker version of those movies. Do you agree? Um, I'm not sure. I didn't. I don't remember exactly what I said about it. I don't think I minded it. I, I didn't mind it either. But I always thought while I was watching it, those other movies are so much better than this. This just feels kind of mm. tacked on, sideline almost. So, going into this one, I was like, uh, I don't even know if I need to know more about Annabelle. Because, mm. you know, do we really need to know? <laughs> <laughs> but, turns out, the way this one was made, and the time period, and it had the right amount of creepiness for me, it was more effective than Annabelle itself. Like, I, I really liked the... It's more feasible. I know we're talking about ghosts <laughs> and, and um, but you know, bullshit, really. <laughs> no offense to the people who believe in all the ghosts. Right. But this or one... offense if you want to take offense. As far as it being... This one felt more plausible than the other Annabelle did. In what way? Extrapolate on this plausible... Just in a, in a ghost story kind of way. I, yeah, I know... <laughs> I just liked the story of it. It's got a really shocking opening. Um, spoilers. We will say some spoilers in this review, so come back if you don't want this movie spoiled. But there's a child death in the opening that I thought it was pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. I always, I'm always a bit shocked when movies kill children because I always think they don't it, actually kill children. It's fiction. Just no, so you know, well, just so you're not. Oh, fully I wasn't open. sure. I, I thought they actually. <laughs> To get no. the realistic, you know, no. they actually kill children. No, no, no. Um, but I'm always, I always think when you kill children in a movie, it's a lot more shocking than adults getting killed. Always. Like, there's something about it. Like, it, and the opening of this movie, it's your typical movie, a child getting run over. But it's pretty, the noise it makes is pretty mm-hmm. awful. It's right up in your face. <laughs> it's right in your face, and I wasn't actually expecting it. I don't know what I was thinking, because it's when it had happened, I was like, oh, of course that's going to happen. You know? Yep. I mean, it's clear. Like They broke down at the side of the road. 
the dad struggling this to... This is, a, like, a super big spoiler, I guess you're... Well, it is literally the opening sequence. I know, but not if you haven't seen the movie. I, I did say spoilers, so... I understand, you, Hopefully but... you went away. <laughs> and then... I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Well, I'll say it again. I'm going to spoil the whole movie here. Because most of the discussion of this movie is about what happens, right? So, if you're vague, you're not, you're not going to be saying anything. So, they break down at the side of the road. Father's having trouble changing the tyre. And a stranger was coming up the road in a car. So, actually, what I thought was going to happen was the, the, there's an evil person in that car who absconds with somebody. Did you? No. I thought the child was going to get run over. Oh, it wasn't, it, like, shocking in that It was an way. absolute shock. I had oh, no right. idea that was happening. No, did not. I wasn't in any doubt whatsoever. But anyway, that's what because causes... Because the child is dressed like and her hair is like and she looks like the doll. True. So, it's not exactly a big mystery what, what we got to get done here to get to the doll part. But the opening sequence is great because the father in this uh, scenario is a doll maker. And it shows you him making the, like, close-up during the credits. Creating. Creating as, as the, uh, the dolls. Imply. And then he creates the little um, packaging for the doll, which is like, a, in those days, a wooden crate that the doll goes in. And then he's, he stamps the name of his doll company, and it's a limited edition, one of ten? hundred. A hundred. And you see, kind of like you see at the beginning of the original Chucky, where you see the dolls going down the line. This is more of a handcrafted version of that. I was thinking during this movie, can we have like a Annabelle and Chucky crossover where they both fight each other? No. It's not. I'm going to nix that one right now. We're it's not out of the question no. though, is it? Considering yes. what's happened in the past with horror franchises. You know, Freddy and Jason, etc. Mm. Yeah, I do think it's out of the question. Oh, I don't know. So, um, yeah, you get to see the creation of this doll. And you actually get to see, you know, this death of a child that leads to the doll having the possessed child in it, right? Uh, no, not, not exactly, no. A demon wants permission to inhabit somebody's body. Yep. Right? The child is dead, but the doll is there, so it needs permission to get in the doll. There you go. And it... And it has to ask the parents. And they're desperate. The only reason it involves them is because they're desperate to have their daughter back. So the demon promises them, as they will, the sneaky little fuckers, you know. You, yeah. you do this for us and you get to have your daughter back. Yeah, in a kind of semi-weird way. Your daughter, it'll feel like your daughter's running around the house. <laughs> yeah. But, but she I'm won't, tricking you. Yeah, but it'll just make you feel at ease because you've got these noises in your house. Of They make me feel creeped out, but hey. It made her feel better. So, uh, what happens then is a... Um, so, they decide... Not going to spoil the whole movie, but they decide for some orphans to come. So, they can have the pitter-patter of girls running around the house. Right? Well, they want to make amends for having unleashed evil on the world. So, they decide if they help these young girls, then that is them telling God they're sorry. Yeah, so a nun with some orphans comes... And they come to live there. And that's how the movie starts. But evil doll, evil spirit is obviously in the house. And uh, pandemonium ensues, would you say? Um, not about pandemonium, but, you know. Isn't pandemonium the uh, Darkness the word? happens. What, what, um, how do you feel about the horror in this one? I'm usually very sceptical, but 
my hands got sweaty and I was squeezing the blanket at one point because I was like, oh, I didn't even, you know, I'm a, like I, I said, I understood what was going to happen in the beginning. It wasn't that big of a mystery. But then as things were unraveling, the way that the young ladies, the performers were doing their parts and the music, the sounds, all of it combined freaked me out several times in a good way because I don't get that very often. And so I was like pretty tense and like really satisfied with a lot of even the little jump scares because it just felt right. So I was I was entertained, stimulated, and sometimes like <gasps> my stomach got all like tied in knots. And most of the scare it's not like a, a gruesome kind of movie this. Mm, in, no. in fact, you know, it's not like about gore or like the evil dead or whatever. It's more about what you don't see like scurrying around and stuff. You know, the very beginning, the, one of the most creepy parts of the whole thing for me was when the girl was going upstairs on the stair lift. Mm-hmm. So, and it, when it got to the top and you could see like in the blackness behind like a white figure just slightly move and you don't know if it moved or it didn't. That was the creepiest shot for me in the whole movie. And she kind of looks around and it's gone by the time she looks around and then she looks forward again. That was the best shot. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like there was this, a few of those. This director who did Lights Out and also that short movie Lights Out, the whole of that Lights Out thing hinged on that. There's a person asleep. They click their, um, they turn the light on when they wake up and there's some weird thing right next to them. And they turn the light back off again. And it's like, it's the kind of thing where even if you don't believe in ghosts and weird shit, <laughs> you've all had a moment like that where you're like, Ugh. feel <laughs> like, something. You either wake up fast or you there's something weird going on. So this all the scares in this movie are kind of based like on that. Where I mean it does get a little bit graphic with the guy's hand. Mm-hmm. You know, but aside from that, it's not it isn't a blood blood and guts thing. There's a there's a weird scarecrow. Which could probably have his own movie, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> he was uh, creepy. Yeah, that was creepy. It was just creepy. Um, that scarecrow, when they first see it in the barn, and the way its kind of head has like indentations for its eyes, it's weird. Like somebody's actually had that on their head. Yeah, like the gingham's been over some dead person's face yeah, exactly. long enough to mold to the face. Yeah. And it, just that still image is enough where I was like, oh, fuck, get out of there. Like, <laughs> don't, don't be near the scarecrow. So yeah, there's a scarecrow, there's um, most of the scares for me, and yes, there's a bunch of jump scares, and they're mostly nothing really, apart from a loud noise. So there'll be somebody kind of walking down the thing, and then there'll be a couple of fake, oh, is that something, is that something, and then a big loud noise. They do that, mm-hmm. which, that's the thing where I think sometimes that's a bit lazy, because anybody's going to be scared if you make... If you make something really quiet and creepy and then make a loud noise, you're always going to have a reaction to that, right? You're always going to jump. So they're the things that I always find a bit... No, you need a proper way to scare people. But this movie does both. You telling these people how to make movies? Yeah. (laughs) This movie actually does both, though. It does have those kind of cheap scares. But then it also has creepy imagery. Another creepy thing that I found... Really creepy was going up and down in the dumbwaiter. Yeah, very. Because it's really claustrophobic and it's really archaic. It's just pulling a rope 
to go up and down. I thought something. Around, and let's not forget, it's a child. It's a child trying in to peril. escape from something horrible. That's yeah. what I think adds to the horror of this movie because it is just young girls from about twelve years old up to like sixteen. Yeah, all all of them and yeah, and the uh, nun. And it kind of makes up. you like. Ugh. I don't oh. know. It's more more scary to me. It always has been to me, and the reason The Exorcist is my ultimate horror film is because Reagan's a child, and the stuff that Reagan is when she's possessed, she gets possessed, spoiler. The stuff that's coming out of her is not childlike stuff, and it really freaks me out. Like, it still does. <laughs> it's stuff that shouldn't be coming out of a child's mouth, and it is. And, uh, it's really, it's pretty hardcore, isn't it? What they, what she says, some of it. <laughs> yeah, I remember that when I first watched it for the first oh, you thirty the years of my life. Yeah, she didn't say that; it was all cut out. Yeah, yeah. No, I I actually saw the uncut one always. I, I didn't even know there was a cut one, and I still don't think I've seen the cut one. The cut one, the cut one you saw on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was home alone one night, watched it when I was probably very, very, very young. Yeah, so like, you know, she won't say the C word on that one, for instance. Correct. Which is really one of the most parts for me, because it just doesn't seem right. But um, yeah, I think you're right. The stuff in this movie, because it's children, and they're actually really good actors. Very good. I mean... Everybody was good. Everybody. I buy all the um, them being scared, and... Also, the relationships between them. They're orphans. Some of them are sad. Some of them are snotty. just getting on with it. <laughs> some are snotty. Some are snotty. Uh, you, the, you get that, you know, pretty quickly. Um, how do you like how this ties into all the whole thing? I'll be honest. I don't really care. I mean, I'm not that huge of a Conjuring World fan anyway. And so Annabelle doesn't truly trip my trigger. At all. This movie on its own, I enjoyed more than all of it combined. Hmm. I know that you are in love with The Conjuring and the whole vibe of it. And I do like them, yeah. I do like they're pretty high quality. It just do. doesn't, you know... There is... doesn't always capture my imagination. The first two films, Discounting Annabelle, because that was a bit of a misfire for me, they are super high quality, as high quality as horror films get, really. I don't know about that. I disagree with that comment. But what would you say is higher quality? It's not quality? the highest. Well, define high quality. Just the way it's, like, the budget it has, the way it's made, the actors who are in it, the special effects. The whole thing is just really... Yeah, but, like, I think attention raw to detail. is higher quality. It's a different type, but it's a different... Thing, and I'm sure it did not cost as much as this, and it didn't have, I don't know. So I don't agree with that it's one of the highest quality horror movies kind of ever made or anything. Not ever made, just being made right now. Like, um, like you know, there's a lot of independent stuff. These are big budget studio movies. Um, and there are others. It is coming up, for instance. Um, Saw is back, because the new Saw's in theaters right now. And I don't think high budget equals quality. We know this. Well, true. But I do think both Conjuring movies are exceptionally well made. They are really creepy and they're very interesting too. I, I like, I know the Warrens are hoaxers and everything, but they're an interesting pair. 
you know mm-hmm. when you and the, the way they're portrayed by the two people who portray them it's really I think they're really good but um yeah Annabelle I don't feel that Annabelle needs another movie though after this one she's not getting one it's gonna be the nun yeah but that doesn't mean next the year after that is not another right mm. um and then it doesn't mean that the nun couldn't feature Annabelle in some way either right I don't know. I have no clue, so I don't know what you're speculating about. But what I'm saying is Annabelle's story now. Now, we've seen how it was created, and we've seen a whole movie of her, and we've also seen her in the main film, the first one. I feel like that's enough of her, and like they were saying in the extras, oh, this is the thing that everybody loves. As soon as they saw that room full of mm-hmm. artifacts, everybody was like, what's that? What's that? Like, Tell us more about that. Now, I was looking in that room today. I went over there and had a look. <laughs> no, I was watching it on the Blu-ray. You can have a look in the room. <clears throat> if you pause the footage, you could probably have a really good look. But um, there was things in that room I was like, oh, no, let's cover that this time. Or let's, cover that, weird, let's cover that weird jewelry box instead of Annabelle. Mm. Did you see that one? Or that weird um, looks like a... Um, well, they did the, the, the Crooked Man. That was creepy. Yeah, that was good. And that that was rumoured to be getting its own um, part of this franchise too. But I guess they went with The Nun instead. Unless he's part of The Nun, which he could be, because he was in the same movie. Uh, wasn't he? It was, um, it was Conjuring 2, right? The Crooked Man. Correct. And The Nun was also in Conjuring 2, so Conjuring 2. So, yeah, possibly. So, um, yeah, o- overall, this is a better movie than Annabelle. And I'll say why, after watching the extras, which I'll get into in a bit, I like this even more. And I'll tell you yeah. why in a bit. <laughs> so, um, going on, uh, also, before we finish on the movie itself, um, we, did you like the ending? Um, Do you like where it takes Annabelle? Kind of. You know? I think it, I, I thought, there's, there's a, End sequences, you know, not not. There's something after the credits, so stick around as well. But the the end sequence bit ties it into the first film, mm-hmm. and I f- actually thought that was really good. I mean, like it didn't it, really take it anywhere. It just that was it. It didn't. It just what, it reminded you. Reminded you of what happened next. That's what, it. Yeah, so I, I like that. What so, where it takes you is to the movie you've already seen. So I don't really know that. I mean, so it's fine. It kind of reminds you, and then you go, "Oh, I better watch. Go watch that one again." And good if you watch them all in a row, actually yeah. out of. If you start with Annabelle creation, and then go to Annabelle, it actually makes them fit together perfectly. True. So yeah, I did like that. And if you stay till after the credits, you get a uh, one of those Marvely type. It's nothing. It's just nothing. It sets up the next film though, right? Barely. It does nothing. In fact, it's just. I was like, that is not worth watching the credits for. It tells you where and what time period the next film is. And it shows you the star of it. Yeah, but he told me that in the extras. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. But uh, So as I, you can see, my, my love for this uh, whole thing is not really that, not like yours. I really like The Nun, so I'm actually looking forward to a movie of The Nun. Because in the second movie... The nun was... She freaked me out every single time I saw her. The crucifix is going upside down on the wall when she appeared. I like that part. So, um, moving on to the cast. Now, this is a cast of relative 
Well, they're unknowns to me. What about you? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've seen a couple. I've seen. Let's start with the father, Anthony Lapaglia. I mean, I've seen him before. He's a character actor who you've seen on TV shows. Oh, definitely on CSI. Yeah, exactly. And he He's plays good. Samuel Mullins, the doll maker. And he is really good, isn't he? You know what I really liked about him the, the most? Is because of the situation he is in, you have to remember what has happened to his daughter. And, and his wife. And his wife. And some, times, and some time has passed, and then now they've decided to have these girls around. I said to you, he's a bit of a drag. Mm-hmm. And the girls are just girls, right? They're just getting on with it. They're just girls, and they you know, had a hard life too. But he, um, he has, you know, he, he can't really interact with them properly because he's broken inside, isn't he, from mm, what's happening? Definitely. So he does try and have, try and talk to one of them at one point, but most of the time he's just kind of saying, don't do this, don't do that. Don't go in there. And he's, I don't know, I just like, he played it really well of like a person who, this is all a bit too much for him. He even goes in to tell his wife, doesn't he? I don't and even broken know. broken is a good word. Yeah, I don't even know if we should have these girls there. It's like... It's happening again. Yeah. So that's when you know, oh, right, they know all about it. But so I really, I did like him. Um, and like I say, one of the more gruesome moments of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Miranda Otto plays Esther Mullen. She's Mullins. She's the wife. Um you could call her doll face if you wanted. Mm-hmm. What did you think of her? Again. Good. In- I mean, there's, you know, unfortunately, some parts can be interchanged. That was a terrible thing to say. But because there's nothing that stands out. He had a lot of time that we had to kind of see him interact with other characters. She had very limited time. And so the moments that she did do, like the one moment, basically, one, maybe two, yeah. I like her, the actress. We've seen her many times. And Again. so, but I just don't think, I think it could have been a lot of different people. Oh, a terrible, terrible thing to say. And she is an actress who you probably wouldn't know her name, but you've definitely seen her. She's mm-hmm. one of those people that you've seen. And I'm always like, probably on a TV show, like the other guy from CSI. Um, Stephanie Sigmund plays Sister Charlotte. And all the time I was like, I swear I've seen her before. And we have seen her before. She was from... James Bond's Spectre, the last Bond movie. She was one of the Bond girls. Um, and she plays the nun. Um, what did you think of her? She's really good. I mean, like, I'm convinced that she's a nun. I'm convinced that she cares about these girls, um, that she has nowhere else to take them. So it's kind of a big deal that they just sort of buckle down and deal with the situation, but she's super kind. And then she's also tough enough to, you know, do what has to be done. And this, this, movie, this movie does have a lot of those moments where you're like, okay, why doesn't everybody leave now? <laughs> but then they try and explain it of like, we have nowhere else to go. Yep. Not even up the road, like just out of this house anywhere. Just go over there <laughs> and, go and get live, out, go and live in a tent in the field over there. You'll be all right. Because apparently this house is not the place to be. Yeah, I liked her as well. Um, and like I say, she uh, is from um, a lot of Latino TV. That's what she's done mostly. But um, I think we'll see her some more. And then the kids. I'll just go through the kids' names. Samara Lee, Lulu Wilson, Elena Bateman, Taylor Book, Philippa Coulthard, and Grace Fulton. Now, they're all the girls. So we've got this six girls. Yep. 
and um, all of them are fantastic. Absolutely, that's what makes the each movie. one of them. Every scene is just right. I I felt it was like I was really watching these gut like a documentary or anything, but I was convinced there wasn't any hesitation in them or you know. I don't know. Sometimes with younger people, it can be a little bit iffy. You know, they're new to the game, but these young ladies, the director, I think, did an excellent job of directing them, getting the best out of them. And even the parts where it's not horrific or anything, but they just have to be girls, like at the beginning when they first turn up. Yeah. And the the, the uh, Samuel Mullins guy's showing them the house, and they're going into all the rooms to give you the established shots of all the house. And they're just being girls. They're like looking in the cupboards and like talking to each other and let's go out and explore. I got the feeling of they're just girls, not actresses. <laughs> I kind of got I mean, they are them. actually just girls. <laughs> not not actresses. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. They're not over trying. I mean, just, they're not like grown women pretending to be girls. Which they're sometimes happens, girls. doesn't it? Um, uh, but yeah, they're all good. They're all put in some re- terrible situations, especially the girl in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. She was real. Those two, the young, those two that you see the most of are exceptional. Yeah, the wheelchair um, girl. She uh, goes through some shit, mm-hmm. and uh, she plays it all really well. And she's she looks terrified the entire time, and then terrifying. Yes. So this is <laughs> she's pretty hardcore. This is directed by David F. Sandberg, and we actually reviewed his other film, Lights Out, um, last year, I believe it was, or the year before. I think it was last year. And we reviewed that movie, so you can go back and listen to it after the show where we talk about it. But David Sandberg, who he is, he um, Lights Out was originally a short film. You can find it on YouTube. It's very short, like 10 minutes. And um, he made it for a YouTube horror competition where it was like, make a short film and, you know, you'll win some money. Interjection. Lights Out was our Halloween movie last year. Right. Number 451. Well, there you go. Perfect. On October 29th. So he won this um, horror competition on YouTube, and then Warner Brothers took... It wasn't to win to make your own film. It was just to win some money. But then Warner Brothers noticed his short film, and he got to make his short film into a full feature movie, which is Lights Out, which you can listen to our review of. Um, And now he's obviously stuck with Warner Brothers, and they've given him their big horror franchise, uh, which is, uh, you know, we'll go into the extras. There's an extra on the Blu-ray, and it's called Directing Annabelle Creation, and David Sandberg, and it's not one of these, like, pretentious, um, let's me show you around the set, which we've seen about a thousand times, (laughs) which, you know, suck. This is him being very, very... It's like It lasts for 40 minutes. He's being very honest, and he's telling you what a director's job is. Because he said, you know, some people probably think, like, what does a director do? Because he doesn't film, and he doesn't do the sound. And he, you know, what, what did, what's he there for? And he explains from his point of view, because he's, he's only made, like, one other movie, that movie, but he's made a lot of stuff himself. But he kind of explains how it is to make a studio film like Annabelle Creation and what he's in charge of. And exactly, like, it's good if you're thinking of being a director. I feel the way he pre- presents himself is... It's like a how-to kind of a thing. Yeah, he said that he when he was learning to be a director, 
he went on YouTube and watched videos of other people talking about being directors. Or he bought movies that he knew had special features that showed you directors being directors. Even if he didn't like the movie. However, they weren't showing you how to be directors. That's why he made his own. But he said sometimes he didn't even like the movie. He just heard that there was a good special feature about such and such a director. So he would watch them. So he just wanted to make a thing that says, look, I'm a director. This is me making a film. And this like is... Like, here's the process. But he said he didn't get that. That's why he decided and, to do it. And, and I believe, up to, up until today when I watch this, you've never got the process properly. Mm-mm. You'll You'll see a movie with, like, you know, some big director like Scorsese or whatever, and he'll talk a bit about making the movie, and you'll see a few... This is what you always see. Shots of him telling somebody what to do. And he talks about how, you know, hard it was to make the movie. And that's kind of it. There's no, like, technical detail. This is, like, everything. It goes through, like, all the things that it, take, that it takes. And what did you take away from it? I mean, it's not everything. It's just this time, you know, he kind of... I mean, it's, every, it's pretty much... It's not much, like 100% how to be a director, but... It, no, it's everything he did on the set. He talked about and it's all segmented up. Like this is the bit about rehearsals. This is a bit about when you get on the set and you have to do coverage from different angles. This is how it happens. And I like how honest he is because he's talking about a studio movie and he's talking. You know, people at the studio will see this, but he's even saying things like, "I don't like doing different coverage shots because it's really boring and it takes too long." And he's pretty honest about everything, right? It seems like it. I mean, it's inst- it's educational. It's the so best extra really like I have ever seen from a director talking about his craft. Because what I've seen in the past, and I've seen lots of you know DVD extras, it feels to me like directors in general, excluding somebody like Kevin Smith, who will talk about it forever, um... They feel that their craft is really precious and you shouldn't really know as a layman exactly what happens. Right? Yeah, like it's all theirs. Yeah, it's precious. If you knew yeah. if you knew how to do it, then or I'm not even telling you how to do it because you will never get it. There's too much to it. Whereas this guy kind of breaks it down. And it's just, it kind of reminds me of Kevin Smith when he started out a little bit of how unmessed with he is by the studio like he's not got the studio mentality yet he's more of I used to make these small films this is a big film I'm making but I'm still talking about it as though I'm making a small film like this is how it gets made and this is it's really good if you're interested in filmmaking it actually elevated the movie for me because I was like this guy is awesome he doesn't come across pretentious he just comes across like a dude right who's making a movie I think and so, yeah. is actually really into making it. He reminded me a lot of Kevin Smith, aside from the... He's not... Kevin Smith would make a lot of sex jokes if he was talking to you about directing. This guy's not really a jokey type guy. But he... Um, you can tell he loves making his films. And even said... Somebody said to him... You know, when you make a horror film like this, is it scary on the set? And then he showed you, like, here's some scenes that we're filming. It isn't scary at all. It's like people stood around. It's really well lit. You never really realize that for horror films. You feel like they're filming them in a, you know, dingy, dark basement. But 
as we see when you watch movies, I've always found it fascinating. They film everything like super brightly lit and then just mess with it afterwards, right? Yeah, exactly. It's really funny when you see like a film in a movie and uh, a scene from a movie and it's really dark and it's really, really gloomy and it's horrific looking. And then you see that same scene being filmed and you're like, oh my God, there's about 50 lights on everybody. How's that? How do they make it look so spooky in the end? But anyway, if you want to hear, you know, see about a director talking about his craft and showing you lots of on-scene stuff, this is the movie to see it from. There's also um, a featurette about the actual franchise itself, which is good. It talk- James Wan actually talks about how they all fit together and what the plans are for the future. Seems like there are a lot of plans for the future for these movies. I think there's going to be a lot of them, if it carries on being successful, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, David Sandberg, the director, also did two short movies called Attic, Panic, and Coffer. They're both on here. You can watch them on YouTube, but they're on here in high definition. And there's a director's commentary, which I, after seeing that thing with him, I'm going to listen to the whole commentary this week because I think he'll tell you a lot of technical details about making this film. So extras, I would give it really high marks just from that guy. I'm a big fan now. I want to see all his stuff. So, conclusion, Annabelle creation. You can go first. Conclusion? I liked it. <laughs> I've already given you my conclusion. I liked it. I enjoyed it. All right. So, it was very satisfying. And I will say um, it's a step up from Annabelle. Um, but I still don't think he's on par with the, with the actual main series. Um, and hopefully this next one, which we did see one clip from, The Nun, um, hopefully this continues the tradition of these movies. How many years do you think they'll last? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It depends how many things they pick out of there. How long did Saw last? Seven? That's the longest running horror. No. no. Ten, Jason. Mm. Yeah, ten. It seems they all fizzle out after about ten years anyway, right? Because people just kind of seen the same thing ten times. True. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get some more, though, because I am liking this universe. So, um, thanks to Warner Brothers for the Blu-ray and movie recommendations. I am going with, I'll recommend you some stuff based on this movie, Annabelle Creation. The Exorcist TV show, the second season that we're watching right now, you can understand the parallels to this movie, right? No, you can't, listeners, but Sid Talk can. To this movie? Yeah. Orphans, House... Orphans. Yep. Orphans in a house. <laughs> spooky house. The Exorcist TV show. Orphans in a spooky house. And then oh, I don't think they're all orphans. I think that's not correct. Foster children in yes. a spooky house. <laughs> Those are like, I'm thinking, have, I, have we been to a orphanage? No. Okay. All right. Foster children in a, snoopy, in a spooky house. Children at uh, risk. Yes. We'll put it that way. Similar type of vibe to both of the things. The Exorcist TV show, if you haven't seen it this year, is quite different to last year. It just got a lot better. It's a new setup. But I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah, and unfortunately, I was so excited. Something just happened in it that we were like, and then last night, I looked and it's off for a week. (laughs) I was like, no, don't be off for a week. I want to know what happens. But anyway, it's back next week. And my second thing I wanted to recommend uh, is the movie, The Omen, the original Omen. Not Damien or Omen 3. The Omen. Again, spooky as spooky, like The Exorcist. Um, it was that, that time 
mm-hmm. when we were just obsessed with possessed children for a while. Children of the Corn, The Omen. No, different time period, but... Children of the Corn was the same time as... was just at, like, the early 80s, right? Late 80s, yes. Oh. Yeah, the, the uh, Omen was 70s. Correct. But uh, we seem to be obsessed with that. The Omen was, is a fantastic movie, I still think it is, the original. I don't think it got better, like some people say. I do I've always remember that piece of glass falling in the second one, though. Do you remember? The guy's <laughs> putting the window in, and the piece of glass falls and slices somebody in half. Don't think I ever watched it. Oh, you didn't? I think so. Oh, damn. That, that should be part of your Halloween. <laughs> you should watch at least Damien and The Omen. I've seen The Omen. Yeah, Not well, the Damien's second the second one. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. It's actually as good as the first one. It's not like a, it's not like a shoddy, you know. Sometimes where they, it's not as good. It's actually pretty good. Third one, it goes off the rails a bit. Unlike The Exorcist, where the second one's awful, the third one's hmm, all right. So they're mine: The Exorcist TV show, which is on Fox on a Friday, and The Omen. And yours are? Mine are. A couple of ones that are just some past movie watching horror slash Halloween themes. Train to Busan and Bubba Hotep. So just look them up and watch them. Train to Busan. It's going to have subtitles, so be prepared. They're both on um, Netflix. Bubba Hotep. Yes. Uh, Games and A Scully stuff this week. I am going with... Destiny 2 on the PC. I've been playing a lot of that this week. Um, Destiny 2 has been out like a month and a half on consoles, but they delayed the release for the PC. PC is superior in a lot of aspects. It's 60 frames per second instead of 30. It's um, higher resolution, 4K graphics. And it's really... uh, I finished the campaign yesterday. Um, Campaigns well improved over the first game. The first game, it had no cutscenes at all. And um, I barely knew what was happening. It was so, like, flimsy, the plot. But the second one is a lot more... There's a lot more cutscenes, first off. There's a lot more dialogue from people. When you, when you walk up to a person, they give you a bunch of dialogue, which fills in the story. In the first one, there was barely that. Um, so this one actually made sense, start to finish. Campaign's about 15 hours... And now I've finished the campaign, all the online stuff has kind of opened up. Um, if you're into, like, sci-fi and shooting, and uh, it's got a bit of an MMORPG feel, like you go up to people, you get a quest. You MMORPG, LOL. You go and finish the quest, and then, you know, bring it back, get some loot. Um, it's all about, you know getting better loot and you're, you're kind of always getting better loot so uh, you always feel like something's happening and you're getting something for it um it's out on pc and now destiny 2 we also both played a game this week on playstation 4 and it's called hidden agenda and it's brought to you by the people who made uh, until dawn which was a really cool horror game from a couple of years ago which was really kind of like Friday the 13th, the game kind of thing. Kids go up to a, (laughs) you know, in this case it was a ski lodge. And uh, kids start getting bumped off one by one and you're in control of them. And it's like a choose-your-own-adventure. Now this one, um, Hidden Agenda by the same people, is more of a 
it's less of a game like that. It's not like you're controlling anybody. It's more of a choose your own. It's, you're watching a movie, right? And you've got choices along the way. That's how it kind of works, right? Um, Definitely. So it's not like you have to be like controlling the character and looking at stuff. And it's more like watch some stuff and then make a decision. And then your characters will react either way. Um, what did you think of Hidden Agenda? It was fun to watch. I actually played it twice. I didn't play any of it, so we didn't play it. I watched. You played. Well, like any story. You had input to it, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just that when you say and you are convinced by the hype that they give you so many choices and so many endings, don't buy it. Because it's not accurate. They can't do that. It's impractical. So they're going to twist and turn it around so you feel like you can come out with hundreds of different scenarios. But, in fact, I think it's probably a funnel effect. You're going to get, like, just a handful of actual results. That might look a little different here and there. And the experience might be a little different. You know, you get a few different scenes. But that scene leads you to the same place, ultimately. Kind of like how Telltale do the games. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what I, what did strike me about this though, is it's far over and above Telltale's graphics, like the motion capture and the facial on not all the time but most of the time, it's getting really close to where you can tell a story and it, everything about it is it can be emotional, it can be, you know, it's funny because we we watch like Rogue One and they had like a fake character in there. And they had Carrie Fisher, like CG version. And they look really ropey in the movie as overall because everybody else is a real person. And it kind of sticks out in your mind. Oh, God, that was awful CG people. In this, because everybody's a CG person, you, after about five minutes, you just don't, you just forget, right? Yeah, it blends because it stays good. Cause, yeah, because it's like one, because it's not super photorealistic. But it's pretty close. The judge, the, you speak to a judge at some point, and I was looking at that judge, and it, it really looks just like that actor is there. You know, the facial thing. Mm-hmm. The, it's like what they did in Planet of the Apes, what we were talking about, like how they put a mask over the top of motion capture data. But um, watching that whole thing, you know, it is a little bit janky in parts. Nothing like Telltale, though. But there are a few, like, weird cuts and stuff. But... It actually worked as a story, and after a few minutes, I forgot I was. it was a game, and it was just a story. I was watching a movie or a TV episode. So we're getting close to where we've got real-looking human beings in video games, and this is just on a PlayStation 4. It made the PlayStation 4 work really hard, I remember. It was like, ooh, like that, <laughs> towards the end. It was. Um, but that's Hidden Agenda. The big novel thing about this game is you either play it on your own or you play it with a group of friends and it doesn't use the PlayStation 4 controller, it uses cell phones and it's really easy, you just download the app from the uh, Google Store or the iPhone Store and as soon as you open the app it notices that you're you're on the same network and it it just links to the game, there's no technical anything you have to do, you press play and on the screen appears your mouse cursor and you move it around with the phone it works really well. Um, now, I, I just played it, just me, and you made some choices by just verbally telling me. But if there's five of you, let's say, or seven of you, I think you can play, and you're all playing, you all get these uh, cards. It's like a card game 
So you get a there's a deck of cards that gets shuffled, and you all get them on your little screens on your cell phones. And as you're playing, you can play cards to influence like. So say there's a decision to be made. It will ask all of you to make the decision. So say three people say this one, and two people say this one. It goes with the three. But if it's a draw, you can play one of these cards, like trump cards, and you can force the way it's going to go. So it's like, um, that's why it's called Hidden Agenda, apparently. Because one of you, in the bunch of friends who are playing, has this Hidden Agenda card, which can trump everybody else's thing. Like So... Mm. So it's kind of a party game in that respect. We didn't even try that mode, but um, you can go back and replay it. We'd kill everybody, though, imagine. Like, if we got five <laughs> people to play, and we sat there. We know every outcome now. <laughs> do, so, oh, yes, we do. So it's like, it doesn't really matter. Like, they, yeah, once they, you've yeah. done it, I don't <clears throat> see the fun in it doing it again. No, but as a, it's cheap. It's like ten bucks. And it's it's about the length of a movie, but as we said, we played it twice anyway, so we played four hours worth. But um, it's a really fun... If you like these interactive stories like Heavy Rain or, you know, that the one with Ellen Page that I always forget the name of, <laughs> um, those kind of story games, I think you get a kick out of it because it is really high-end version of those type of games. Um, and that's on the PlayStation 4, Hidden Agenda. We also watched a couple of episodes of Stranger Things 2. I think we'll watch another one tonight, right? Nice. What did you think of the first uh, opening of Stranger Things 2? Love it. I'm ready for more. You like the um somebody who was it? You know our you know our newsreader guy Joey. Mhm. He's he had tweeted he hates how it has become a comedy. It needs to stop doing that. What do you agree with that? Comedy. He said he said the first and second episode felt too much like a comedy. And it needs to go back to how it was in the first one. It was a lot more brooding in the first one, I will say, and a lot more menacing because you didn't know what the hell was going on. And right. It was very kind of, you know, on the lowdown, like a drama. Yeah. It was like Twin more Peaks, sinister, I guess. Like Twin Peaks before you find out the weird shit. Yeah. You know, kind of like ugh. Without that comedy, but I don't. I don't feel like it's a comedy. I think it does. It's charming, but. It needs to darken up a bit, yeah. It does 80s nostalgia really good, and especially in these first two episodes, because this is all set around Halloween. The whole show takes place during one week, and it's Halloween is it falls in there, and we've just had the Halloween episode, which, um, it, you know, if you like Ghostbusters, actually get to hear the Ghostbusters song. But, um, yeah, it, it really does the nostalgia thing. You know, reminds you of those kind of movies you liked when you was a kid. The Goonies and... Well, d depending who you're talking to. You might be talking to a 10-year-old right now. Yeah, who hopefully... <laughs> so when you were been, a kid. <laughs> hopefully has been shown all them movies. If you're old the, like us, and you yeah. were a kid in the 80s. That's if you were a kid in the about. 80s, it would definitely remind you... Teenager, all, really, in the 80s. Yeah, you get all those, um, you know, the music is... There's a lot of music in this one. There are some kids who don't look like they should be kids in school mm -hmm. anymore, right? They're... A couple, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit weird, but hey, that was always the thing, wasn't it? With um, even with eighties movies, there was often teenagers who were a bit older than teenagers in real life. So uh, yeah, Stranger Things too. It's on Netflix. We will watch some more. Uh, what's for dinner tonight? Is going to be some macaroni and cheese, some veggie burgers and uh, vegetable whatever's in the cupboard a nice vegetarian meal so what is your um, advice before we leave 
forgot. Let me look. <laughs> I think that was what oh. you said last week. No? No. It was not what I said last week. No, it's not really advice. It's a directive. Oh. I just spent an after a day and then an evening with my friends and today, and I love my friends. They talk about people who, now these are friends I've had for over 35 years. So, and a lifetime for one of them. But when you hear of their stories of, oh God, well, this person said that and he's getting a divorce, but she won't sell the house. And then their kids did this and their car broke down and that girlfriend left, but he don't want to, and he's done, and she's threatening suicide, and da, 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 all these terrible things that can happen in people's lives, but that are actually second or third people removed from you. Right. Like, you're not actually directly related to that situation. You can't help it. You can't fix it. You're not part of it, and yet it somehow trickles through the community and your group, and, you know, it's drama that doesn't affect you or impact you if it's you, your husband, you know, something close to you. But these are all stories of sort of peripheral people. And it, like, exhausts them. You know? Oh, God, we went out last night, and she had to, you know, she went off to talk to her ex-husband, and then here comes her boyfriend, and da 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 you know? And you're like, and it goes on and on, and then they're like, it was no fun, and we didn't have a good time, and I just think, we're not all living in the Jerry fucking Springer show, people. You know? <laughs> and it, I don't know if I just don't... It sounds like it. high school drama. It is, and we are almost 50, and I do not get, and it's not just that. I mean, my mother describes drama within the family of the dude that she's lived with for a long time, and they're all 50 and 60 years old, and having the same crap, you know, like, well, why is dad paying for that for him and not for me, and well, he better not spend all his money before he dies, and then make a big deal about it, and drama's on Facebook, and I don't get it. I'm not in it. I think sometimes when I'm questioning people or saying, like, really, does that does that affect you? Because I'm just asking. I want to know, how does this affect you, your life, your children, your home? Or is it just that it's like watching a big soap opera all around you and you want to be involved? and But then it's like a negative thing. It's a negative force, you know? Yeah. And I maybe I am truly a loner, like a hermit type person. I have zero tolerance. I don't feel like being involved or asking the next question because that's part of the conversation. Tim's like, oh, what did he say? Well, what did she do? You know, it's like a die, like a little um, conversation that you start and then it's a drama that plays out. You're telling the story. Everybody's curious. I'm never curious. I'm just sitting there listening and thinking, holy shit, I'm so glad I only have you all as my friends, and I don't go out with anybody else, because I don't get it. It's just, you know, if there's something happening with my family or my close friends that I can be a part of, that I can assist with, or somehow, you know, be solve a problem, then that's cool. But I'm not just going to sit around and, like, you know, gossip about it. I just don't get it. So, no drama. All right. So, no drama, no drama. Only drama you should uh, have is watching um, Stranger Things 2 on Netflix. <laughs> so, remind you about our uh, website, sayschoolie.com and sitor.com. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the uh, Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store, or the RSS feed. Go to sayschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can just listen to it straight from the page or subscribe with any RSS reader. You can also go to uh, TuneIn, and you can, if you've got an Amazon Echo, you can say, Alexa, 
Listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn, and it will take you to the latest episode. Email feedback to aschoolyatascoolyat.com. Don't email Sid Talk because she doesn't want any drama. <laughs> Correct. And um, finally, Stay Classy, the Conjuring nice. franchise. And I'm going to say, think for yourself. <gasps> or someone will do it for you. I will also say, Stay Classy, David F. Sandberg. Because I really like you. <laughs> nice. I really like you. Thank you. And good night. <laughs>